airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. There's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you for joining us today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. We've got a great program planned for you today in line with um, where we tend to hang out and um, where we tend to focus, you know, helping you, equipping you uh, for the the rearing of your children and um, inserting yourselves into the lives of your grandchildren. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for the glory of God. Right. For the glory of God. So so right. when your daughters-in-law and your sons-in-law give you a hard time or your kids give you a hard time for inserting yourself into your grandkids' kids lives, <laughs> you just tell them, this is for the glory of God. I'm in this. <laughs> now, if you do that, if you pull that card, it can't be because you're just giving them ice cream. Right. Like, that can't be the thing. You better be doing something. It, you better yeah. be doing something. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're picking them up at school, God bless you, man. It's a wonderful thing. to do. Some great backseat conversations that you get to hear, right? You get yeah. to be privy to that. And I hope I hope that we understand that our, our, our faith and uh, the dissemination of our faith really depends on our understanding of how effective it is to have transgenerational impact. Mm. I really wish that we could Very understand important. that, that we could get yeah. that, you know, that we don't isolate the kids from the parents and then isolate the parents from the grandkids and, and all of these ridiculous things that we do. I wish we really understood um, you know, how important it is that grandparents are able to speak into grandkids' lives and impart wisdom. You've you've lived a minute. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you've seen a few things, you've learned a few things, you have grown with the Lord, and and all of that is valuable. And this is supposed to be ours in the church. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's strategic that even the enemy would try to sow uh sow seeds of uh discord between families. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like because there's such a, a treasure there. You know, that can be gained from, you know, older teaching the younger, you know. That's right. And so he would want that to be strife, you know, and contention because of small, maybe little things that that connection is broken. That's right. And and I'll 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 see your uh, familial dysfunction Mm -hmm. and uh, and raise you um, body of Christ familial dysfunction, if you yeah. will, because yeah. we even have these factions and divisions in the church, you know, where right. you're like, well, we only want to cater to the young people. So we push the older people to the back. We yeah. say, well, if you can handle the music, then you're welcome. But if you can't, then find another place to worship. I mean, these are the subtle types and that would be overt types of practices that we engage in that show we have no grasp of the scriptures. We don't know what the scriptures mean. When the Bible clearly lays out that older women should be teaching younger women, Mm -hmm. that older men should be teaching younger men, the Bible gives us parameters for how we are to engage one another respectfully, um, showing dignity and honor to those who have lived longer than us and walked with the Lord longer than we have. And these things aren't happening. We don't we don't have the opportunities for these to play out. And, And really, I would say, Will the Great, it's our loss. Yeah, we it's it's our loss. You know, there are some cultures that still uh, respect those who have lived longer than them. And I think that American culture would benefit from adopting some of those practices. I'm not saying that we need to get down and and bow down to people's feet when they walk in the room. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I'm not saying we need to do that. Although, right. look, there, <laughs> there's some grandparents going, well, now, hold on, hon. Well, they might have more of an accent than that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. They should bow down. Um, anyways, no, just anyway, I, we appreciate you listening. And, and hopefully um, today's show is going to be engaging. We have a guest on with us in the second segment, Danny Herta who is the vice president of parenting and the youth department at focus on the family. And um, he is going to talk to us about the dangers of social media. And in particular, there's an app that a lot of people are using these days. You may have heard of it. It's called TikTok. Mm. And um, there are some challenges, you know, all of these challenges seem to kind of <laughs> crop up in cycles, right? Where everybody's doing it and, and we can't resist. <laughs> I see there's another challenge going on, going around. Oh, the, yeah, the broom the broom thing. <sighs> I. That's crazy. I just saw that today. I was like, what is going on with the, with the broom? I don't know. It's, you know, it, I think in situations like this, I, I feel I feel a little bit older than I am. Because when I see <laughs> stuff like that, I'm just like, there are different thoughts that go through my mind that don't make me a good player in these games. Right. right? <laughs> Number one, I'm going... Are people washing their hands after they stand up their brooms? Like, are you just grabbing brooms? That. Like, you know, like, what? I just, I don't, I have, I have a germ thing, you know. So number one, you're just grabbing brooms. Brooms are dirty. All right. They're not, they're not just brooms. All right. That's my one thing. But then two, you know, what kind of time do we have? <laughs> to, do, to do like those type of challenges. This can stand up, you know. Yeah. Anyway. We yeah. just help some people, Will, because if you've seen brooms just standing up by themselves come up in your news feed and you're like, well, now what is this? Something wrong here. Yeah, that's what's <laughs> going on. We just help. It's a broom challenge. And yeah. uh, it appears, you know, people are trying to see if their brooms can stand up on their own. Right. Now, that would be one of the more innocent challenges. Yeah, that, I mean, I would take that over a bunch of the other ones. Oh, my goodness. Oh my, I mean, it's like, man. Wow. We've, we've been through a few in the years that we've been doing the show together, we've been through a few challenges as these challenges have grown um, over the years. Social media, the the impact of social media has increased. And we've been through a few of these challenges where you're going, how in the world? Um, Tide pods, anyone? Mm, right. Fire. Right. Uh, you know. Yeah. There's been a bunch of them. I can't even Man. think of all of them. Well, there's some of them. I don't know the names to them. I just I, and the only reason they get on my radar, unfortunately, the reason they get on, the, on, on my radar mm-hmm. is because there are many of these challenges that don't turn out the way they're supposed to. Mm. Where you have the people you remember, there was a challenge where the people are supposed to get out of the car and dance walking along the car where the door is open. <laughs> I forget the name of that. But, you know, it got on my oh radar my because people started, crazy. you know, getting hit by the car like they would fall down, yeah. they would stumble. And then, you know, they're dragging along. And it's like, you know, some things you can just say, nah, you know, no, I'm not. Right. You know, some things. Not. I mean, I'm not saying you have to be like, you know, curmudgeon. I like that word. <laughs> yes, I, know, you can I, tell. Tell. I like curmudgeon. Yeah, it's a know, good word. Um, I'm funny, not saying you have to be. Cur- <laughs> it is a funny word, <laughs> but it, it sounds it's almost kind of like an onomatopoeia. It sounds like what it is. It, mm-hmm. You know, it's not mm-hmm. really an onomatopoeia. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, social media and its impact on our kids. We're going to talk about parenting well for the glory of God and um, and and some of the apps that you need to be aware of. That's coming up in the second segment. We are also going to take your phone calls in the third segment. Hopefully our sister Nancy, we have now affectionately nicknamed her Gangster Nancy. 
I hope that's okay. <laughs> I, I think she's okay. <laughs> she might be like, I have never hurt anyone in my life. You don't have to have hurt anyone, Ms. Gangsta, you know, <laughs> to have that distinction. But before we do that, let me make a couple announcements here. Um, we've been telling you about the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference. I, I hope that you're okay that we're going to be mentioning this a lot as we get closer and closer because it's a big deal. We're pretty excited about it. Right. This is going to be the third conference. And um, the Lord has done some incredible things through this conference, at least based on the feedback that we get back. And, you know, we we enjoy it ourselves. But we think that you will be blessed to be a part of it. So that's coming up June 25th through the 27th here in Tupelo, um, where we are headquartered. And you have an opportunity to not only come and be with um, hundreds of other like-minded believers, but you're going to be challenged and you're going to be encouraged. Um, probably one of the great outcomes is knowing that you're not alone and that you're not the only one who is witnessing the mm-hmm. erosion of our culture yeah. and the attacks on the church. Yeah. So more information is available for that um, at marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. And, and right now, the whole we're family. Great. we have a, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I just say it's for the whole family. We have something for uh, the, the children as well. And when I say something, I mean a youth apologetics track, you know, not just, you know, juice and cookies and stuff. But no, we, mm-hmm. we have something for them. And like like Mickey said, you can go to marriagefamilylife.net. Uh, but right now we have our early bird rates out. And so right now, if you if you register between now and April 1st, you can get a special rate. And so I would uh, just encourage you to go and register. Check out the website. Check out, you know, the schedule is on there. Uh, there's hotel information. If you go to the About Us page, there's some information there as well. And so marriagefamilylife.net is uh, your one what stop shop mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. to get all the information, everything that you need. And uh, I would love to see you there. Yeah. Yeah. As with the rest of the AFA staff and the team who all work so diligently to put this together, uh, it's always a great time. And, um, and yeah. we expect this year to be the same thing. Also, in the way of announcements, man, this is is pressing because this is right. It's not around the corner. This is right down the street. February 13th, um, there will be an AFA Faith, Family and Finance Town Hall meeting Mm -hmm. in Warner Robins, Georgia. Warner Robins, Georgia. And if you've been hearing about these, if you've got any friends who have attended these, you know that Dan Celia, who hosts it, does an incredible job of answering your stewardship questions. Mm -hmm. And so um, this is an opportunity for you to come. It's free of charge, but you do have to register because seating is limited. And as I understand, the feedback that I get is that the rooms usually get packed out. Um, So if you listen to um, Dan Celia on American Family Radio, then you are familiar with his wisdom uh, heard on financial issues. And so anyway, you'll have the opportunity to meet him and ask your questions. He's going to just fire away. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does. Um, And that's in uh, Warner Robins, Georgia, this Thursday. Then coming up on February the 20th in Lafayette, Louisiana, which, I mean, nobody told me. I didn't know. What's, what's going on in Lafayette, Louisiana? It's another faith, family, and finance what? town hall. All right. Well, you know, I guess nobody would tell me. You know. Man, I mean. <laughs> Why would they tell us? I understand that Dan Celia <laughs> does finances, but, like, we do gumbo. We should be exactly. there. Exactly. You know what I mean? Shrimp po' boys and stuff. Maybe we know? talk to Tim about it. Just say, Tim, I mean, that's that's like our house. Why are you going right. in our neighborhood like and right not letting us know? Right next you know door. What I mean? You know? Yeah. So, anyway, if you want to learn. if you, We can talk about this during the break. If you want to learn more. <laughs> About this, you go to afafoundation.net, afafoundation.net. You've got questions about stewardship. You look at the economy. You look at what's happening right now. 
What are some good moves for you to make? Sometimes you've got those personal questions. Maybe you've been one listening in and uh, you've heard Dan Celia answering people's questions, but you felt kind of a little bit shy yeah. um, to call in a national radio program and ask your question. Yeah. Well, in a smaller setting like this, this might be an opportunity for you to do just that. The Faith, Family and Finance Town Hall meeting, uh, two of them happening, one on February the 13th in Warner Robins, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Warner Robins, Georgia, and then another one on February the 20th happening in Lafayette, Louisiana. No offense to Warner Robins, but if I had to pick one of (laughs) y'all. It'd be Lafayette. It'd be Lafayette. (laughs) You know, there's like three or four different cities that pronounce Uh, that differently. Same spelling. Anyway, I think think Lafayette, Louisiana got it right. Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) I only say that to provoke people. We're competitive by nature, Americans. We're competitive, right? (laughs) Like you, you just give us an opportunity over the craziest things. You know (laughs) who makes the best biscuits, right? You know who's got the best pronunciation of our cities. I mean, we just we just like to do it, and usually we all come out friends in the end, right? I mean, it's harder to come out friends (laughs) for the one who loses, right? Right, and well, you know, especially if you're a sole loser. Well, in Louisiana, we're not. Um, <laughs> just, just ask the Saints. We lost gloriously. Oh, man. Um, okay. Well, okay. Here we go. So Stay just before we, I know, before we go to the break here, um, anything stand out to you from our discussion yesterday? Man, just so troubled. I, I incorporated this into a discussion with our kids yesterday. It's talking about um, kids' scores and yeah. reading and math and just to kind of pick their brains and, and see where they were and um, yeah. They seem to be really engaged. But anything stand out in our discussion yesterday? Yeah, just the whole fast track to socialism. Like the 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 way that you 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 can look at it is that they're not being educated properly. You know, so that's going to lead to other problems. They're going to lead to other problems. That's going to lead to dependency on the government. That's going to yeah. lead to you know. I just see like this going downhill, and and it's an intentional dumbing down of the population. I, mm-hmm. It's all intentional. That's what government, you know, people who are uh, for big government, they want that. They want more and more control, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and so why not start at the, the children, you know, so you can have, uh, you know, a lot more control as they grow up. They're going to be dependent upon up, upon that. So yeah. I, it's just bad, you know. Yeah, more and more control for a longer period of for time. For a longer period of time. It would appear. That's right. Um, I guess to solidify the indoctrination, to make it um, something that you can't reverse that you don't get to come back from. Right. All right. Um, there's another story that I want to pair up with that, and maybe we'll get to it at the beginning of the third segment. We'll just see how our time shakes out. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Danny Herta of Focus on the Family, warnings for parents about apps and social media. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you for joining us every single day. Mm -hmm. We appreciate it. We don't take it for granted. We know that you could listen to whoever you want. You're not locked in. And so the fact that you carve out time (laughs) to listen to the Addison's weekdays at 2 p.m. Central it means a lot. So thank you so much. By the way, I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Darius James. You are God alone. 
wonderful way to come back. Let's uh, invite our guest into the conversation. I, I feel like there's going to be a lot um, that we'll cover and we'll probably move quickly. Danny Herta is the vice president of the parenting and youth department at Focus on the Family. He oversees Focus's initiatives that equip parents to disciple and mentor the next generation so that they can thrive in Christ. He is a bilingual licensed clinical social worker and for many years has provided families with practical parenting advice. He specializes as a counselor and spokesperson in the treatment of ADHD, conflict resolution, self-esteem, anxiety, depression, trauma, communication, media discernment. Mm. Oh, I'm underlining that one. The brain and healthy sexuality. And he joins us today to talk about social media and among other things, how parents can guard their kids and protect them um, as they grow up in 21st century America. Danny, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you. That was a, that was a nice introduction, Mickey. Thank you. <laughs> well, well Danny. Well. <laughs> I do my best to read well. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right. Look, I, I appreciate I appreciate your work. I was I was drawn to your bio and just thinking in light of what we are facing as we try to rear our kids. I'll just tell mm-hmm. you right off the bat. Will the Great and I are right in the throes of this. We have yeah. five kids and our oldest just turned 13. So we know that they are living and growing up in a culture that is really foreign to us. I mean, for you and I and for Will the Great, like we would not have, you know, nearly the types of temptations and the types of attacks on our mental state that our kids are facing today. Um, In your line of work, when you look at the way kids are growing up today, let's start off with this question. What is it that you have found that parents least understand about the attacks on our teenagers today? Well, I think what's interesting to me is is the the way that parents are treating that relationship, especially with teens. They want to be kind of the cool parent. Mm-hmm. They they want to they step back and they say, "Hey, teens will be teens." And I remember when I was a teen, I just wanted freedom, and they they equate that to love. And more so than ever before, we have to be involved with our kids and in, in intentional conversations because. Uh, the, the demand for the real estate in their brain is huge, mm. like you were just mm. alluding to. And the biggest one is the way that kids enter into the social spaces. The social media platforms are um, perfectly designed for the teen brain and the teen needs, and that is mm-hmm. uh, quick hits of, of affirmation uh, or, or communication. It's, it's fast. You don't have to wait for it. Uh, and then there's uh, there's social connectivity where you can have it at any time. You can access anyone or be accessed anywhere. And then you can uh, you don't have to handle boredom really. You can just have something there at your disposal where you can just go in and and go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and not really critically have to think about it. And as 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 parents, what I've noticed is that uh, they just picture that as hey, you know what? That's something a lot of teens are doing it. No one's dying with it and. And uh, the teens will be teens. They'll grow out of whatever goes through there. And then when something disastrous happens, that's mm. when they're reacting to it, yeah. rather than proactively planning through how they're going to utilize something that potentially could be a great tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I love the way you put that. And you talk about these different entities and, and how our kids exist today and this fight for real estate in their brains. I, yeah. I just think that that is like the perfect way to That's describe right. it. I know that you also deal with um, sexual identity and the type of confusion that our kids are facing today. In your experience with both kids and their parents, 
where are kids largely getting their ideas about human sexuality and sexual identity? Where is that coming from today? Most of it is coming from media or their peers. I mean, that's mm. really largely wow. where they're getting it. And then also schools. Schools are stepping into that because of sex education uh, mm-hmm. courses that they're offering and things like that and, and uh, or the things surrounding that. But the, the big one is coming through media. We know Hollywood sets up, uh, if, if you look at movies, they, they interject some things that they want to interject into the mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. And they start off as little drips into it where our mind begins to normalize something that is not really uh, super common or normal in our culture, mm-hmm. and it, it begins to, to, to shift the conversation in one direction or another. And so kids are getting it from uh, mainly places outside the home, and that is concerning to us because that conversation has to happen in the home. The identity, how God created male-female, why did he even create uh, a male and female when he could have created everybody male or everybody female. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, why, why was that designed that way? And, and then entering the conversation that is difficult. You know, what's going on in culture? Why is this such a, such a big topic and such an important topic? And as parents, we have to wrestle through that worldview to bring that into possibly, uh, uh, I guess, conversations that could get a little conflictual. Uh, between mm. you and your teenager, and that's okay. That's healthy conflict because you're entering into a worldview space that you need to speak into as a parent. Okay, so with all this happening and uh, coming in, you know, from outside of the home, what should we as parents uh, do inside the home to try to safeguard against uh, what, you know, maybe what our kids will experience as they go outside of the home? Mm. Yeah, Will, I love that question. And what number one, if you have very, very young kids, start early start talking about mm-hmm. sex, they're going to learn about it somewhere. Mm-hmm. So you start talking about uh, the, how their body's designed, uh, the feelings they're getting in certain situations. I remember my son when he was eight and we were walking uh, in the mall and I knew we were coming up to the store, the Victoria's Secret store, mm-hmm. and oh I wanted to start early for him to learn how mm-hmm. to choose where his spotlight, where his eyes would go, because mm-hmm. where you gaze, your attention goes, and that begins to penetrate your soul. Mm-hmm. And so... He looked away, and then I could see him glance over at that, you know, what I said, hey, let's just look over this way. He looked over to the left, which was where that, the billboard or the, the pictures were at, and, and I processed it with him. After we passed by, I said, I noticed you looked, and then you looked away, and something happened there, and he said, I felt tinglys in, in me, Dad. Mm. And so it was a great opportunity to have a teaching wow. moment as to <laughs> what happens in his body when he looks at that and why it's so important to guard and what what, what uh, the set kind of setting a vision for his sexuality, which is something he gets to build and guard over time to give as a gift eventually to his wife. And what a big responsibility that is for him to carry that and to, to shape it as he gets older. And so setting that vision early, if you just start talking about those conversations later, it, uh, it can be confusing because there are already other messages in there mm. that have to be unlearned. But on the, the topic of male and female, uh, highlighting the, the strengths and the beauty of male-female from early on and complementing mm-hmm. those differences uh, in each other's husband and wife, but also within the home between boys and girls and not showing one weaker than the other, but just saying, hey, look at that, that strength of her. She's a girl, and that is we need that in our home because of this, this, mm-hmm. and that. And he's a boy, and we love that because he brings this, this, and that. And showing the completeness of both male and female uh, being a part of a home and a part of society 
And uh, and then also, if if a child loves to dance or do certain things, that's not a girl boy thing. It's a hey, this is you, and you love this, and let's have it expressed through your masculinity or through you. Uh, if that's if a good. girl says, "I want to play football," well, that's great. Let's express it through your femininity. You can still be a girl and play football. You can still be a boy and dance and do these things. We can, we don't have to to stay within these cultural norms. And at at home, we get to um, in the day to day conversations set up a much more uh, complete biblical worldview on what it means to be male and female within God's kingdom, not within uh, the, the, the worldly kingdoms here. Mm. Oh, that's so good. It's so good. Um, I know that, you know, and we've talked about this on a regular basis on this program, just that our kids are under a tremendous amount of stress, that um, they're overwhelmingly anxious and depressed. And and though we are probably living in one of the most connected times that we've ever lived in, they still feel lonely. They still feel isolated. And so they've got all these things that are kind of bombarding them. Now, as parents, what we what we tend to do, Danny, is we tend to all try and go stand on the square where we feel our kids are standing and they're under like duress. Like we try to go and be there. And as soon as we go stand on that square, they get off it. So if we go to where they are on social media, they find a different platform. (laughs) They're like, I'm not going to be on here with my mom. (laughs) So my question for you is this, where are the danger zones as it pertains to social media and apps and how can parents combat what we largely don't even know is happening? Well, one of the things we did in my home, we, I have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old, and first of all, I told uh, my son when he came, I remember at 10, uh, around 11-ish, he said, hey, everyone else has a phone, when am I going to get one, Dad? And I said, well, when your brain's ready for it, really, if we look scientifically, <laughs> 16 is when you remotely are close to really being able to handle the, <laughs> the onslaught on your mind and brain and attention. And so uh, let's, this is the time to, for you to observe and to... Uh, kind of build an understanding of what it is that you're asking for, and uh, th- this is when you build trust with us so that at 16 you are ready for that and just know there is going to be a contract that you have, and part of that is you're going to give us passwords to everything you have, mm-hmm. and then we're very clear as to the consequences of things. If you make a poor decision, because we all make poor decisions, we're all under construction, then uh, he, my son knows what, what the expectation is there, and Part of really at the core of, of any using any of these devices is do we have a good relationship or not? Because trust is at the core foundation mm. to having this even present. If you don't have that, then you need to take a step backwards and say, well, okay, maybe maybe it's not a good time to do this. We need to work on our trust first, and maybe that's going to a counselor. Maybe it's some time, and they get to learn patience. Patience is a very key element to be able to handle what's on the phone and the smartphone and all the the things that go with it, the apps and all that, mm-hmm. um, because they're going to be marketing to you. And if you don't have patience, you're going to get taken uh, many different places you didn't intend to go. And what the, the other component to that is, is understanding that being very well educated with resources as a parent to where, what the kids are uh, generally consuming in culture. And right now it's TikTok. Uh, next month it could be something different. It was YouTube about a year ago. Uh, there's Instagram. Uh, there's Snapchat, and uh, and then we've we've had Facebook in the past, and now parents are in there, uh, <laughs> mostly, not, not the kids, and uh, and so then uh, you know it, it does morph, but the principles aren't different. You want to uh, be talking about worldview, about relationship, uh, about trust, and those having establishing some boundaries and limits, and and 
and structure to it so that you can guide them along the way. And if they're not agreeing to that, then, hey, maybe you're not ready for, mm-hmm. for this type of freedom because it's a huge freedom and a potential danger to their soul. Mm-hmm. And if we're willing to die for our kids and we're willing to have a little conflict on something that could really take their soul in a mm. direction that you weren't planning on. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. that is excellent. I mean, you know, just think about that. Just I think that is such a stark juxtaposition when you talk about being willing to die for your kids, but we aren't willing to cause them a little bit of pain because they can't have a cell phone at their team. Right. You know, or they can't have this social media app or whatever. Um, I just think when you put it in terms like that, it just is really stark. So now let's talk about TikTok, because am yeah, I understanding you that? correctly, Danny, that <laughs> yeah. TikTok has surpassed YouTube as far as the attention and the time that our young people are spending online? It used to be YouTube, but now it's TikTok, you say? Yeah, I mean, YouTube is still very popular and exciting, but man, the teenage world right now is heavily into TikTok, and it's, hmm. it's these 15-second videos where they can be funny, lip sync, do dances, <laughs> all kinds of silly things, and it's it's even easier than YouTube to post on. So you can uh, videotape yourself and or your friends and, and do a real quick 15-second 15 15 second video and uh, create challenges, whatever you want to want to do on there, and uh, it, it's become popular. Some more kids are wanting to do it. They get noticed. They get seen. Uh, you know, we, we love to be known and be seen, and so it's very attractive to those those teenagers, especially with the uh, the, the low uh, barriers to making it and, and posting it. And what, some of the challenges, one of the recent challenges that's uh, real concerning to me uh, because it it really targets those curious, uh, on edge, danger seeking type of teens. Is the it's called the outlet challenge, and it just uh, mm. became public here the last month, and uh, has created some serious damage in some schools. And the way that that this goes, they they'll utilize the uh, the block of uh, of an iPhone type of plug-in, or you can use any of them really, and they put it right up against the wall, and then and then pull it out a little bit so that there's the prongs are a little exposed, but they're still plugged in. And then they take a penny and drop it right into that slot, so it creates wow. a flame and sparks. Oh, my and, uh And, and there have been some arrests with that. And they asked one of the teenagers, hey, so so why'd you do that? He said, I thought it was going to be kind of cool and funny. Oh, my goodness. And, but it created a lot of damage in the school, it, big consequences for him. And something as parents we have to realize is that the teen brain is wired with brain science. It's been amazing what we've learned with teenagers. And one of them is that they're much more responsive to the potential reward to them. So that could be uh, maybe being noticed by certain peers mm. or the funniness of it, all that. They're much more responsive to that than the potential negative consequence of a decision. Wow. So their brain is much more reactive and responsive to the fact that if I do this, I'm going to get everybody to laugh or I'm going to get them to notice me. And their brain is barely thinking about, if I do this, I could get arrested, I could hurt somebody, something bad could happen. So that's interesting. Mm. Man, and disturbing. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's concerning all at the same time. You think about this, and, and I'm wondering, I know we're about to go to the break here. Danny, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to hold you over just for a few more minutes on the other side of the break, because um, I've got a couple more questions. One of them, and, and we'll get to it when we come back, I'm just wondering how parents might combat this maybe with more positive affirmation at home so that our kids are not seeking that affirmation or maybe it's just that they will want that from social media no matter what we do. I'm wondering if there's a remedy somewhere um, there. 
Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back with our guest, Danny Hertz. We're talking social media and our kids. Uh, stay close. I just want to go. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Triple E with Take Me There. Boy, are we enjoying this informative interview with Danny Herta, Vice mm. President of the Parenting and Youth Department at Focus mm-hmm. on the Family. And, uh, you know, we were talking about protecting our kids and their social media use and these apps and trying to keep up with where they are. And one of the things that struck me just as we were going to the break is that so many of our kids have these reward centers that just are kind of, you know, begging to be appeased and are begging to be satisfied. And they find that on social media because you get the immediate hearts and the likes and the shares and all of these things which say, you're worthy right. or you're good or you're great or you're the best. And and I hope that this is not too simple a question. But, Danny, I'm wondering um, if just some old fashioned parental, um, you know, affirmation might help in this area for our kids developing brains. Hey, Danny, I would definitely you- say okay. so. Uh, well, Nikki, I, I really think that uh, there there's so much we can do as parents to speak and build into our kids' lives, but we have to be noticers of what God's doing individually in each of our kids, which takes our time uh, calming our lives down enough to be at peace and in attentiveness and attunement to what God is doing in our kids. A lot of times we're so quick to want to rescue them from adversity, mm-hmm. want to helicopter them out. That's a popular word right now. <laughs> we, we don't want them to, to, to fail, and, and sometimes our kids need to enter difficult places, and we enter those with them. Tell them, you're enough. It's not about what you do or how good you're at something. God has given you to me. You're a gift to me, and I want to speak truth into you. And as I'm learning more about who you are, that is exciting to me. And the more we can show affirmation, regardless of performance, but more about, hey, that's great that you did well, and we we cheer those moments on, but our love is not dependent on that. And one thing I love to do with my kids at home, and I've done this with uh, a lot of the kids that I've counseled over the years, so I give them a chalk marker. And in my home, what the way we use it is all, and I just did this recently, uh, just I draw a circle or a heart uh, right where they're going to look at themselves in the mirror. And I usually do this once they're asleep. And then I put truths. What have I observed? What are my observations about who they are, what God is doing in them, the truths that they're a child of God, uh, that they are enough, uh, that they have a wonderful smile, or they're funny, things that are unique to them that I'm not making up, that they would know, hey, this is true about me. And I put those for both of them. And in the past, what they've done is they've drawn circles and written some truths for my wife and for myself. Hmm. And it, it allows them to see that they can contribute to our truths as well. Some of our biggest lies come through the mirror. And then we look to the world to try to satisfy those lies that we're believing in the mirror. And so that's where we can begin. We can begin telling truths to our kids in our home, in the mirror, to make sure they're reminded, because our mind can go to the I'm not enough place, 
and really encourage your kids, instead of being consumers in this world that is set up for consumption, be contributors. That's the way God created Adam and Eve, to be contributors. Once, once they lost trust in a Heavenly Father, they became consumers in a garden, very scared. And God has wanted us to return to that contribution. We're co-creators with Him. He has said that, and He He wants to express His love in Himself through us. But it takes us having that conversation with God, and in our moments, becoming fully dependent on a Heavenly Father. How do we model that to our kids? How do we take time to understand what God's doing in our kids, even if they're not the best basketball player, they're not the best soccer player, the best student, they're not getting straight A's? How do we go into the deeper places with our kids? Because many times when they don't perform well, it, it reveals our own insecurities and our own frailty of not mm. feeling good enough, and we mm. need to be aware of that as parents because kids will feed off of that anxiety and start to look somewhere else to find somebody to listen to them or to connect with them and reaffirm them that they're enough. Man, I, I really appreciate that. And, and I, I want to squeeze in just a, a couple more questions and certainly want to wrap up with letting our listeners know how they can connect with Focus on the Family, in particular, connect with you and what you're doing there, overseeing those initiatives that help parents to disciple and mentor the next generation. That is critical. But I want to say this, Danny, I really appreciated the way you responded to my last question. There are one of the first things that you said, and I think that this is so overlooked by Christian parents, is that you pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ first, that we need to be seeking him and prayerfully learning what God is doing with our kids. And I think that's something that we overlook. We're scouring for information. And even right now, you know, I'm gleaning a lot and I'm taking notes while we're speaking. But at the same time, we have to understand that the Lord gives us discernment and he puts us in the right place. He's given us these kids to parent and he's equipped us to parent those those kids. But I think quite honestly, we kind of abdicate our role. We don't mean to do it, but we think maybe somebody else is better or I just don't get them right now. And so then we kind of take a step back. But I think leading with prayer, as you suggested, and asking the Lord to reveal to you what he's doing and, and how you can be a part of that, I think is, is grand. So I appreciate you leading with that. L- let me ask you this. Um, are there specific demographics that concern you maybe more than others? For example, when we talk about social media and we talk about apps, girls versus boys, younger teens versus older teens, is there one particular demographic that you kind of look at and in particular you're, you're really concerned? There are multiple different types of concerns. For young boys, I would say that um, the sexual piece within uh, the social media space and with YouTube, uh, with with the Internet, is a huge concern. There are clicks where you, you click on one thing, it's clickbait, and they start going through, and all of a sudden they find themselves in a very secretive world mm. uh, where they can't get out of. And then with girls, it's affirmation through social media, that connectedness where uh, they either gossip or talk about things or people or find their... Um, uh, their love through multiple ways, th- th- through the social media in a false way. And uh, I've known of some some girls that have significantly struggled on modifying their picture and distorting their picture through social media because they can do that because they don't feel good about who they are and they want to have a different persona that they're portraying to other people and people start to love that person and the way they look. And then it's a real shallow connection with people and I see a lot of uh, girls struggling with depression there because they know that it's a facade. And another one is with boys' video games, 
gives a false sense of power. Any any guy that maybe they're they feel powerless, they're small, mm. uh, they're, they they wouldn't be able to fight anyone really, and, and they feel defenseless. They go into the video game world, and it becomes a world where they can become the most powerful wow. uh, ever, and so it creates this false sense of power. But it becomes addictive because they can do so well and become incredibly hmm. powerful in an online world. And there have been multiple kids that have been lost in there where they're spending 12, 13, 14 hours saying yes to that and saying no to life. And they end mm. up missing out on a lot of things. And sometimes even they even starve, starve themselves. They don't eat. It's a highly um, addictive place for some of those boys that are vulnerable to feeling powerless. And uh, uh, so there, there are multiple places where boys or girls can find those deep core needs that they're looking for in their identity. And as parents got to remind them, hey, you're a child of God. And that is amazing. You're masterpieces of God's creation, created to do amazing things in Christ Jesus. And I just added the amazing thing because it is something that, that God is saying, when we are with Him, we're doing kingdom work, and all that mm. is amazing stuff. And Ephesians 2.10 does remind us that we are created with purpose, uh, as masterpieces of his creation, and we are to, to step into that place and that space with our Heavenly Father who gives us strength, it can give us peacefulness in our mind, can help our souls see through the chaos, and uh, let's teach our kids to pray. Let's teach our mm-hmm. kids to, 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 to just settle Perfect. down their hearts enough to be able to, uh, to truly see through a lens of their soul. And uh, social media doesn't allow that. Technology doesn't either. So you know, technology, social media, I don't want people, parents to think it's a bad thing. It, it can be, but with, with good guidance, you can have it as a good tool and a good opportunity for growth and connection and, and opportunities for teaching our kids. That's, it could be a good tool. Very good. Danny Herta, thank you so much for joining us. How can our listeners connect with you, connect with Focus, learn more about your work and what we've discussed today? Yeah, we have uh, FocusOnTheFamily.com. Uh, forward slash parenting. That, that's our, our website where people get tons of, of, of information there. Then we have a focus on the family parenting podcast. And mm-hmm. then on social media and enter, entertainment consumption, we have a plugged in, the plugged in, the plugged in movie reviews and the plugged mm-hmm. in podcast. And uh, just, just come visit us on our website. It'll, we'll take you all kinds of different places. And one place to start, you can start at the seven traits of effective parenting assessment to see where you're at. And then you'll get emails from us. It'll take you on a journey into the content we have at Focus on the Family. Wonderful. Danny Herta, Focus on the Family. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. All right, want to do this. I know we're probably only going to be able to squeeze in maybe two or three calls, but I want to open the phone lines, get a little bit of a response, and we're going to start with Nancy. If Nancy's listening, she can call us first, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. You can comment on anything we've talked about today, maybe even yesterday, a little bit of the holdover. We've talked about Common Core and protecting our kids and looking at the onslaught of the culture. You've got thoughts. You've got comments. We want to hear from you. 888-589-8840. As those calls are getting queued up, will the grade anything mm-hmm. just kind of jumping out at you? Yeah, something that he said, you know, it was like I was thinking about as it concerns adults, you know, the whole um, wanting to be uh, being gratified through likes and, and things like that. I think we have the same problem, you know, as adults. Mm-hmm. So, 
I can imagine the mind of a child, Man. you know, how much more of an emphasis that would be for for children, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I think some of those same things, adults have that, those same problems as far as, you know, wanting to be accepted or, you know, feel like what they have said is liked or, you know, just those those same things. And I think it's very uh, eye opening. Also, what he said about the um, the video games, I you know, uh, and, and guys, you know, I never mm-hmm. really thought about that, but it does create a sense of. Uh, being powerful in a certain way and uh and you know i i I never thought about that but i can see that and i was just kind of surveying some things like hmm that's that's pretty interesting Mm -hmm. and you know to take the proper uh precaution and and to be able to talk about those things and to say you know what kind of world might our kids be disappearing into and kind of creating and shaping their personalities and things like that i think that's i mean it's pretty critical. Yeah. Um, of course, I I, I kind of hone in on the effects of this on girls and things like that. But we can talk about that a little bit later. Uh, let's go to the phone lines, Will the Great. Where do we go first? All right. Let's go to Nancy in Kentucky. <laughs> Hi, Nancy. <laughs> hey, Will and Mickey. This is the gangster lady. <laughs> lady. Whatever you want to call me. And I think what I want to say is, is still in line with your theme of um, protecting kids. I do have a question, but I want to make a few points before I get to it, if I may. Sure. If I may. Yes, you um, may. I, I just wanted to thank you for asking my question about, uh, about naming names. I think it's imperative that we name names because we can know all this stuff, but we're stupid sheep and we can get led astray. And mm. I was talking to people and asking them about Revoice Conference, the ERLC, the Gospel uh, Coalition, and had no mm-hmm. idea what I was talking about, more or less critical theory. Mm-hmm. And um, we got to talk about at the Gospel is Enough conference, which was wonderful. I'm telling you, we fell in love with you and and Will. And my husband met me that Miki. She is sharp. She is witty. <laughs> she is quick. I'm like I'm quick, baby. <laughs> That's right. Really. Don't let him miss you now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wasn't. But, Will, if you're the great and you are, Miki, you're the marvelous. And I just want to tell you that <laughs> Gospel is Enough that conference, the, the environment was surreal. Mm. I mean, the sentiment there, I had never been to a conference that felt so much like heaven. Mm. I oh, glory to God. Uganda mm. And Stephanie, that we just fell in love with each other. So I just want to make a plug for your new conference coming up, Marriage Life, uh, Marriage Family and Life mm-hmm. Conference Thank in Mississippi. You. We are followers. We're real followers. We follow A to Cincinnati, Tennessee, and I'm out <laughs> in Mississippi. <laughs> I love it. I, I want to just, I want to tell you, I am on, we are on the front line of the battle mm, here right. in that's Kentucky. Right. Um, I'm in a group that's heavily um, associated with the seminary, and we know what that's mm. all about. The Lord has led us to a predominantly black church. Our mm-hmm. pastor is brilliant. He's from the Master Seminary. He's a great expositor. And I just want to ask, this is my question. Mm-hmm. Because I'm afraid for my church and my pastor. How can I best expose my pastor to these ideas that are sweeping into the church? This Marxism and and communism, as we talked about over the weekend, yes. it's deception and it's real and it's really happening and it's infiltrating. Right. Like uh, Michael O'Fallon said, he says it's in everything. Mm-hmm. So how do I best expose my pastor and my church that I love? 
Mm, wow. Nancy, I appreciate that question. It's so <laughs> heartfelt. And, and the reality of what our sister is suggesting yeah. here um, cannot be overlooked. And so right. one of the things, and this is why I value a more intimate setting in our churches where our, our leaders and our overseers are approachable. Yeah. Where we can walk up to them and say, you know, brother so-and-so or pastor or, you know, have you heard about this? Do you know that this is going on? And not in a way where we're accusing them, but in a way where we're saying, hey, we're being confronted with this on a regular basis. So I'm just wondering if this has come across your desk. Um, again, emails, notes of encouragement, and also notes of, hey, I want to alert you to this, I think can go a long way. Because our sister Nancy is exactly right. This is not something that's going away. In fact, it's ramping up. We're out of time for today. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.